Welcome to another episode of Teacher Room Talk. My guest today is Carol Romano. Carol has a degree in English teaching and literature and is currently a postgraduate student in neuroeducation. Carol has worked with EFL since 2001 and has taught students of all levels and ages, especially young learners. She is also a teacher trainer, a consultant, and a performing artist. We have her here today to talk about nonviolent communication and the possible benefits of this practice. So without further ado, let's get to the show. So, Carol, welcome to the show. Thank you, Felipe. It's great to be here. Uh, tell me, how, how did you first get interested in nonviolent communication? Uh, well, okay. So, uh, the first time I heard about nonviolent communication was through a friend, through Facebook. And there was this buzzword, empathy. Everybody was talking about empathy. And I wasn't really aware about, you know, of was I being an empath? Uh, is that connected to sympathy? So, um, I always get quite interested in buzzwords. So, a friend posted something about empathy, a video. And then when I clicked on that video, it was like years and years of uh, questions and, and, and doubts kind of were solved when I started to learn a bit more about empathy, Felipe. So that was a big moment for me. And that led me to nonviolent communication and its principles. All right. Uh, it, it might seem a little bit obvious, but uh, how would you say that the word empathy, the buzzword empathy, would uh, connect to nonviolent communication. Okay. So, um, well, being teachers, I believe we have this natural uh, tendency of um, giving answers or looking for answers. So we usually very eager to say something and say something right and be helpful in a way because that's uh, part of our job description. And what really got me when I started learning a bit more about empathy is that it has nothing to do with offering help. It has nothing to do with finding a solution to another person's problem. So I think that was my first big lesson. Empathy is about listening. And that's the first thing about nonviolent communication. Can we mention uh, listening actively, like, or maybe listening in order to uh, understand exactly. versus, versus listening in order to respond? Yes, because basically that's what we do, isn't it? We, when we talk to a person, we're not really listening to what they say. We're actually listening to our own thoughts and we're just waiting for a moment to interrupt and say whatever comes across our mind. We want to provide help. We want to give advice. And sometimes we are really, we're just not listening. We're just listening to our own thoughts. So yes, it has everything to do with active listening. And something that really um, calls my attention when it comes to nonviolent communication, Filippi, is that when we talk about communication and nonviolent communication, uh, we're not only talking about how to express our ideas, but how to listen to other people's ideas. So learning how to communicate is a two-way um, dynamic. 
yeah now that you mentioned like it, it just hit me that it's it's sort of condescending in a way right that mm. we are listening in order to respond mm. and we are uh constantly assuming that we can help and all right like more often than not will it be able to actually finish a student's sentence because mm. you know we we can anticipate where the student's going but it's also it sounds sort of condescending in a way right exactly and there is this obsession uh Uh, about uh, having the right answers and sort of dividing the world into right and wrong, into uh, good and bad. So we usually, uh, we get super anxious trying to find solutions and like an enclosure and ending, be it a sentence, be it a conflict, be it a problem. So it really has to do with uh Uh, how could I put it, deconstructing this dichotomy. We were raised into like good, bad, right, wrong, silent and sound. Let the silent happen, you know? Let people listen to the silence. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Uh, and, and then, uh, so so let's dial back a little bit. So you okay. mentioned that you came across this video and it was, you know, mind-blowing in a way. Mm -hmm. And then you went through nonviolent communication. Uh And then, and then we would say that maybe uh, learning how to listen would be uh, the number one key factor when it comes to nonviolent communication. Yes, and not only listening to your interlocutor, but also listening to yourself. And this is an inside job, Felipe. This is a lo a lifetime and an inside job, because that, that sounds a lot. That sounds a lot trickier. It is because we don't really know ourselves. I mean, we're so. Um, worried about, I don't know, paying bills, going to work, getting home, getting productive, that we don't even know what we want or we're just addicted to thinking or feeling in a certain way. So nonviolent communication has come to me as this super um, uh, rich and enriching way of getting to know a little bit more about myself and people around me. Perfect. Uh, I had the opportunity to actually be there when we were, when you were talking about this uh, in Curitiba back in July. Yeah, thanks for uh, coming. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> no, my pleasure again. And then you uh, you used a very very interesting analogy. W would you like to you know comment a little bit on that? Okay. Uh, so you mean when we talk about the language of the heart and the language like the giraffe and jackal dynamic? Is yeah, that perfect. One? That's it. Okay, great. So um, the The person responsible for this, uh, the author of this book, Nonviolent Communication, is Marshall Rosenberg. He hasn't really come up with the ideas, but he brilliantly put it into, into words and organized this book. And um, in one of his talks, he proposes a classroom dynamic, which actually can be used with kids or in people in your work environment. He suggests that we should think as, uh, or we should behave, or we should communicate as a giraffe. And I was like, okay, a giraffe doesn't even make any sound, does it? I don't know. So let's investigate. Let's see why he uses the giraffe as uh, a metaphor for this idea of nonviolent communication. So he starts by saying, Filippi, that the giraffe is the, the land mammal With the biggest heart. And then think of it. Why? Why would a giraffe need a massive 
heart. And then, well, there's that long neck and the brains up there. So, yeah, sure. a, a giraffe really needs a massive heart to pump all the blood uh, up to the brain. And then, because of this um, symbolic of this idea of having a big heart, he understands that the giraffe is an empath, will be like the ultimate empath. Because um, not only has it got a massive heart, but it also has a long neck that helps it see things from a perspective. So at the same time, the giraffe has a broader view of situations. It has a big heart, but it also makes itself vulnerable once it sticks its neck out, you know, to look for food, to, I don't know, check whoever is coming after it in the savanna. So it's also about uh, learning how to be more vulnerable. And we weren't really educated for that, were we? No, not really. And and then you touched on a, a key word that I think it's very interesting for us to uh, to explore, because again, uh, it's it's quite common to actually uh, see people referring to vulnerability as something uh, negative. Mm-hmm. So uh, how how actually would it be something positive? Excellent. So uh, usually we connect vulnerability with some sort of weakness right so for most of us being vulnerable means uh not being strong or showing your weaknesses showing your darker side let's say however um in well anywhere in the world in the society as a whole what we see is a deep and true and thorough need for connection if we stop to think about it, everything we do, everything we do is in service of our needs. And our main need, the main need of any human being is connection. We want to feel connected. We want to be part of something. So how can you provide or ask for the sense of connection if you're not showing yourself vulnerable, if you're not showing yourself as a human being, with issues, with needs, with uh, problems like anyone else. You wouldn't want to be friends with someone who looks perfect, would you? No, not really. It's nice to see, you know, when a person shows some vulnerability, it's nice to, to watch. It's nice to feel like, oh, okay, I can connect, you know, I can connect with that. I can relate to that. That person is it's it's one of my people, you know, so this is one of the main things to start a good relationship in the term of nonviolent communication. Awesome. And and how could we actually transfer this idea? How how could we actually apply such a thing in a classroom environment? Because I, I think it would be interesting for us uh, to, to try to focus on this a little bit, uh, trying to make it a little bit more practical. Excellent. So the giraffe, we talked about it, its counterpart would be a jackal. (laughs) A jackal is this kind of like a foxy, wolfy animal that has quite short legs and just stands there looking at things from the same perspective all the time. The jackal is very good at assuming things instead of listening and feeling opposite to the giraffe's big heart, the jackal has this tiny little selfish way of being. 
So when we talk about the, the classroom dynamic proposed by Marshall Rosenberg, we talk about the giraffe and the jackal dynamic. So what I tell my students, and it has worked wonders, is first of all, let's investigate the ways of the giraffe. So how does it work? The giraffe has a long neck. It sees things from, from a perspective. It has a big heart. It's very, the giraffe is really good at listening. Where's the jackal? It's this super shrewd animal, anxious, only wants to see things from his own point of view. And then when we are jackal, most of the time, we are educated, Filippi, in a jackal world. We want things for like two minutes ago and we want things solved, okay? And being a giraffe takes a bit of time. So when I talk with teachers about nonviolent communication in the classroom, I always uh, point out the time factor, okay? We are inserted in a system that wants things for, I don't know, now, for two minutes ago. And when it comes to education, self-education or educating kids or students of all ages, we must take into account the time factor. Uh, emotional education doesn't happen overnight. Do you know what I mean? For, for sure, for sure. And um, so the steps would be um, learning how to observe things without judging. That will be the first step of nonviolent communication. I think we should we we could go into the the four steps now. You think? Absolutely. I just like before we we get into that, I just wanted to refer back to it because. Uh, Last, last episode of the, the podcast was with my sister and we actually oh, talked yeah. about positive discipline. And again, mm -hmm. like it, it goes hand in hand, like these things go hand in hand with, with each yes. other. So um, she, she mentioned the same idea of like, okay, uh, taking it, it takes a little bit more time. But and, and I love the fact that you just mentioned that, you know, uh, dealing uh -huh. with emotions is not something that you can do, you know, in the blink of an eye. It actually, it's, it's mm -hmm. actually going to take a little bit longer, but it's going to be well worth it. It's super worth it, especially when we're talking about kids. Uh, I, if you are a parent, I'm not a parent myself, but I've been teaching kids since forever. And not only kids, adults as well. We're all kids in a way. I mean, we've just been kids for longer, I like to say. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. It does, because really, uh, we have all been educated in this jackal world, let's say. And uh, when it comes to the classroom environment, we have the chance to foster some kind of, uh, of emotional education among students and among ourselves, too. Uh, when we deal with discipline, when we deal with productivity, what are the things we are really taking into consideration, Filippi? Are you having a class of students who are quiet? And looking at you, does that guarantee any learning? Do you know what I mean? Does sure. it really guarantee that they're going to leave the classroom or finish a course, whatever course that is, uh, with actual uh, uh, learning and actual growth, not only in terms of content of what's being taught, but also learning about themselves and how to apply that content to a world that's out there, that's demanding things from us all the time. Okay, so now on to the, the four steps uh, that you mentioned before. Mm -hmm. So the, the first step of nonviolent communication is observation. Okay, so when I talk about the four steps, I like to tell my um, teachers to imagine a student who's always checking their phone all the time. Okay, 
So if you have to address a problem, the first thing we have to do is look at the scene, look at what's happening without judgment. Because usually when we come into the classroom and we know we have a problem, I already come, I'm armed and I'm sure that that student is doing something just to get to my nerves. And uh, an essential uh, part of nonviolent communication is understanding that the world doesn't revolve around us. So there's this whole process of uh, depersonalization. So things are not happening because of me and for me, but I'm there to listen and to act. So suppose we have this situation, a student keeps checking their phone. And then uh, what I do in the first step is I observe and there's observation without judgment. So I say, oh, so um, I don't know, Bob. <laughs> um, I um I can see you 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 checking your phone, and then that's it. It's not like oh there you go checking your phone again. Oh you always do that. No, see, look at the person, say what you can see. Okay, my dear student, you're checking your phone. Oh you're checking your phone. Okay, that's the first step. Simple as that. Observation. You say what you see. So you stick to the facts. You stick to the facts. And then when I mention depersonalize it, depersonalization is this thing is not happening in relation to you. It's not happening because of you. This is just happening. All right. Okay. So the second step of nonviolent communication is feelings. Feelings means what, uh, how do you feel when you see something happening. How do you feel? Do you feel sad? Do you feel frustrated? Do you feel anxious? Do you feel happy? Do you feel um, curious? And at this point, Philippe, this step is so important because we understand the difference between feeling and thinking. Because what we tend to do is we say, I feel judged. At this point, we don't feel things that imply that someone else is making us feel or is causing a feeling. This is a moment of full responsibility for how we feel our feelings. So this is when we say, um, my dear student, Bob, I can see you're checking your phone. When you do that, I feel anxious. It's not the person that's making you feel anxious, but you feel anxious. You own that feeling. So that will be step number two. Step number one, observing without judgment. Step number two, feelings and learning how to separate feelings from thinking. Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, okay. would you say that actually uh, sharing how you feel Instead mm -hmm. of saying what you think or actually uh, even sort of like delegating to someone else how this person is actually making you feel. Do you think it somehow contributes for you to be uh, or, or at least to seem a little bit more vulnerable? Mm, good point, Felipe. This is a moment where we are able to connect 
with the person. This is a moment of empathy too. Because if you if you think about it, we are there's only so much you can feel. There, there's only this many feelings that can be felt. Because uh we have very basic um basic emotions, okay? And then when it comes to expressing your feeling, yes, it might sound a bit like, oh, okay, I'm not letting this person into, you know, my emotions and my feelings, but you have a problem to solve. And apparently how, um, I don't know, mankind has uh, evolved <laughs> a long time. It hasn't worked. The, the old formulas haven't really worked, have they? So why not experiment in trying to be more vulnerable, in trying to connect more? So yes, it has to do with being vulnerable. All right. So then we have uh, observation. Then, without judgment. Without judgment. Yeah, for sure. Then we have uh, feelings, which not is... Not thinking. <laughs> exactly. And also comes to, to show that uh, you're, you're vulnerable. So you are someone that actually feels something. You were not on a pedestal, uh, something mm -hmm. like that. Uh, what would be the third one? So the third one, the third step is needs. That's the moment when you connect a feeling to a need. So let's go back to that student who keeps checking um, his phone. I say, Bob, I can see that you're checking your phone. When you do that, I feel anxious because I need to know that my class is being relevant. I need to know that my students are interested in my work. I have the need of being recognized as a good teacher. So when you do that, I feel anxious because this need that I have is not being met. Of course, you're not going to use that, those words because that's too technical. And it's like, yeah, teacher, why are you saying that? But it's sort of a path that we propose uh, when we address uh, uh, an issue like that. <laughs> and then it's interesting that, again, uh, you, you're bringing it upon yourself. So it's, it's what you see, how you feel, and what you need. Exactly. And this, Philippe, is adulting taken to the next level because nonviolent communication teaches us to be responsible for all our processes. It's very... It's very uh, um, how to put it, it's very common for us to just blame people or blame facts on, you know, our problems. And I'm just going to say, no, I, I, I'm like this because when I was a kid, my mom slash teacher slash cousin, whatever, said this. And then I just carry this trauma throughout my life. So it's really about letting go of those things and taking ownership, you know, uh, for our own things, for our own processes and our feelings and our needs. And then comes the fourth step. <laughs> uh, and, and, and it's interesting that you, you said this about the, the third uh, step that, that you okay. brought up, ownership. Because mm -hmm. uh, very recently, uh, I've met a group of teachers that we, we meet regularly. And I brought this up mm -hmm. because I, I honestly believe that being an adult is actually being able to uh, connect the dots. Meaning, okay. okay, I understand why I do the things that I do. I understand why I feel the way that I feel. But also uh, being able, I, I wouldn't use the word to tame it, but uh -huh. uh, to try to, to modulate it in a way that you actually achieve the results that you're willing to achieve. 
So exactly. it goes beyond like, okay, I'm merely a byproduct of, of XYZ that happened to me and uh -huh. that's it. But uh, I think there's no evolution there, right? So uh, it, exactly. It, that's and why okay that's why being being an adult is rather tough, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it's tempting. <laughs> okay, it's tempting, really. To, like to... If you, I, I doubt I doubt that any teenager or kid will be listening to this podcast, but if you are, <laughs> just don't grow up. It's a trap. Don't grow up. We don't <laughs> recommend it. Okay. It's super complicated. It's a trap. But yeah, if you it's a trap. If you end up growing up, listen to Teacher Room Talk with Philippe Sata. <laughs> 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 All right, yeah. so uh, on to our fourth step. Yes. So we had observation without judgment. We had feelings, no thinking. Feelings that don't imply somebody's causing you that feeling. Third step, our needs. In my opinion, that's the hardest bit because we don't really know what we need. We think we do, but we don't. So this is also an inside job, learning about our needs. And the fourth step, Filippi, would be a request. A request is the moment where we actually say something. We bring that need into the world. And then I tell my student, Bob, I can see you're checking your phone. When you do that, I feel anxious because I need to know that my class is being relevant. So please, whenever you need to check your phone, would you mind leaving the room and taking some time out there and then you come back? That's the request. And this is a magic moment because learning how to choose the words, Filippi, learn how to pick the right moment, the right intonation, the right way of putting things. And I'm not just saying you're going to be super nice. There's lots of, there is some being assertive, you know, like there is being assertive, there is being direct, there's being honest. And when you say that, people usually understand what you want. They don't take a request for a demand. Because when you make a demand, it usually causes two reactions, either obedience, okay, or revolt. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and there is this sentence which I love. Uh, if you came to my talk in Curitiba, I wrote that on the board. It says, obedience kills responsibility. So if you want a group of students who are obedient, who are super, that they're quiet and they pay attention to you. But why are they doing that? Do they understand why they have to do it or they're just obeying? Are you involving them in the process of being responsible for the, I don't know, the harmony of a classroom or the environment they're working on? So this is a super important moment. And, and it also dials back to something that Bruno mentioned in the very first episode that we had here, which was... Uh, uh, being responsible and understanding uh, why you're doing it versus simply trying to win in the game of school, right? Exactly, because if you have like a behavior chart or if you know how to behave just because, there's no growth. And then we come back to the, something you said like a minute ago. There is no growth. There is no change. We're going to school, be it a regular school or a language institute. We're going to school to learn, to be, you know, to be better at something. And then when you just obey, you do things because you have to do. And then there comes a, 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 an idea for another, another podcast, which is the whole process of assessment, tests, 
So if you're good at doing tests, does it mean you've learned the lesson, you've learned the, the content of the course? Exactly. <laughs> That's where obedience kills responsibility. You're just doing things because you were taught that this is the fastest way, the fastest way or the right way to do things. So you don't really teach your students through a process of effective and honest communication. Oh, that's that's brilliant. Um, for those who are listening to us, and they may think that this is uh, much easier said than done. Uh -huh. uh, I, I like to think that uh, everything is about training. It's about you know putting the effort. It's about being willing to learn, and mm -hmm. being willing to actually go through with it, and and you know making it happen. Exactly. Uh, So, so what would you say, like, okay, uh, nonviolent communication 101, because mm -hmm. you've been the, you've been there before, right? So, oh my God, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So what would you say that the teacher who is thinking about trying to work with this right now, or even the parent, that it's like, okay, mm -hmm. I want to do that. I think it is worth it. Uh, what would be, you know, the nonviolent communication 101 for dummies, whatever? <laughs> <laughs> okay, excellent. So I think nonviolent communication is about listening, first of all, and depersonalizing. We have to take ourselves out of the process if we really want to understand and find new ways of dealing with our students. The class is not about the teacher. It's not about the report card. It's not about the marks at the end of, uh, of the semester. The class is about the student. So listen to the student. Forget everything you've learned about time, productivity, efficiency. Let the classroom breathe. That's something I would say. Fantastic, Carol. Fantastic. So uh, that that wraps up our talk on nonviolent communication. So let's uh, head on to our next segment of the show. Uh, check it out. So, Carol, this segment of the show, I also I always uh, invite my guests here to share something that it's been new to them. Might be you know a book or or maybe something that you know a book that you've read a long time ago, but that changed your life. The series that you've always loved. Uh, anything goes. So, what have you brought us here today? Okay, so um, learning about nonviolent communication um, has brought me another book which is Elisama Santos, Educação Não Violenta. So she draws from the principles of nonviolent communication. She is a mother, she is an educator, she is a therapist, and she has put her ideas together connecting with nonviolent communication. This amazing book, I'm reading it now, I'm using it when I talk about nonviolent communication. She um, speaks from a Brazilian context, which is amazing. And, um, yeah, I'd like to suggest this book, Educação Não Violenta, by Elisama Santos. Fantastic. Uh, Carol, uh, I know there's a lot going on in your schedule in the upcoming weeks. So uh, feel free to share what, what's about to happen and let people know where they can know more about your work. Okay, thank you, Felipe. So um, on the 18th of October, I'll be in Sao Paulo at Winner Idiomas 
I'll be giving a workshop on teaching young learners and um, positive discipline, which is completely uh, connected with uh, nonviolent communication. The next weekend, I'll be in Vitoria talking about using nonviolent communication in the classroom at Brass Tissot Espirito Santo chapter event. So if you're around, come and say hi. All right. Uh, Carol, once again, thank you very much for taking your time and being here. Uh, Thanks, it's been, Felipe. It's been fantastic. Thanks a lot for having me and congratulations on this project. It's just been amazing. We're very lucky to have you um, talking about those amazing things with all of us. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye. So that wraps up another episode of Teacher Room Talk. Once again, if you liked it, share, follow us on Instagram, that's at Teacher Room Talk. And if you are in Brazil, I'd like to wish you a happy Teacher's Day. Make sure that you keep on looking for uh, new ideas, trying new things. And I hope that this podcast helps you somehow to actually challenge some ideas. Once again, that's Felipe Machado telling you to keep questioning.